Welcome to Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. This is Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today we're going to talk a little bit about connectivity on the Great Loop, and we're very happy to welcome back Chris Dunphy and Cherie Viard. They are also known as Technomadia, and they've been with us before to share some details about the nomadic lifestyle. Um, Technomadia is a, a play on the words technology and nomad. So they have been living this lifestyle for quite some time, and with the pandemic, we're seeing an increase in people interested in boating, and uh, Chris and Sherry also are avid RVers. So we'll bring them into the conversation in just a moment. Before I do, I want to take a moment to recognize and thank our Admiral sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Beneteau, Curtis Stokes & Associates, Dog River Marina, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage our listeners to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. Chris and Cherie, welcome back to Great Loop Radio. Thanks for joining me again. Thanks for having us on, Kim. We're delighted to be here. Yeah, and, and as I mentioned in the intro there, you're avid RVers, but also Great Loopers. I have coined the term sloopers because you're doing a slow Great Loop. And tell us a little bit about <laughs> how you've been um, hanging out during the pandemic. Yeah, so we got as far north as uh, seeing you last summer up right. in Charleston. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, with the pandemic coming down, uh, we returned to our RVing life for last winter. And uh, when it we went to get our boat uh, back launched, um, like, huh, traveling right now is not seeming like a lot of fun. Marinas are closing down, down and shutting down at that time. And state laws are changing. And it's like, well, we decided just to come back to Florida, which was our home base. Uh, before we hit the road, and uh, when we headed for uh, Sanford, Florida, the uh, marina here in downtown Sanford was one of our favorite stops in our cruising adventures. So we called, and they're like, "Yeah, we can hold a space for you." And we just took a long-term uh, lease here to to ride out the pandemic. We're walking distance to an absolutely lovely downtown. We've got a great marina. We're able to take the boat out for short trips, take our van out for uh, state parks, and, and it's, it's a great place to live. Yeah, we're 40 miles inland here, so it's also been a good place to, in case a hurricane impacted. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's been kind of a, a hiccup in a lot of people's plans uh, this cruising season is because they intended to be further north and ended up not further north um, thanks to COVID. Absolutely. So, yeah, the, uh, the yeah. hurricane issue and the insurance issue has been big for a lot of people on the East Coast. So, you know, knock oh. on wood, we're getting towards the tail end of it. And um, sadly for the Gulf Coast, they've uh, had the brunt of most of the storms this season, but the East Coast has fared okay. Uh, but this idea, the pandemic uh, has really created, as, as we were discussing before we started, a, a, more of a demand for this type of lifestyle. And I think it's a combination, as I've said before, of people realizing that they can work from home. They can w work remotely. They can school their children remotely, and they were forced into that situation, but found for some people found very much so that it worked for them. And if you couple that Absolutely. with the idea that social distancing on a boat, it's pretty easy to do, and that other travel is kind of off limits right now, we're seeing a huge uptick. So what's your take on all that? That is absolutely true. We're seeing it in the RVing industry as well. Is RVing and boating? It's a great way to travel still because not as many people, even as airlines are coming back online, uh, international travel just well, so many countries aren't. We'll, we'll you let know. you in, yeah. But yeah, the um, the the 
idea of traveling with your house wrapped around you um, gives you um, protection from yeah. from from the pandemic. It gives you a lot of autonomy and gives you that sense of adventure and exploration. And if you can work from home and it doesn't matter if your home moves or is stationary, well, why not? Hey, that's the name of our boat. <laughs> or hit the waterways. And more and more people, their 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 work is saying, hey, we don't, they're, they're, they're all so many businesses have had to reevaluate remote work and are going to it as a full-time option. So, so many people for the first time realize that they can move onto a boat for a longer period of time. And that doesn't mean having to take a leave of absence or retire to be able to do that. Right. Exactly. But so for most, there is a pretty big difference between working remotely from home where that home's not moving and working (laughs) remotely in more of a nomadic lifestyle like a boat or an RV. So the two of you have been doing that for quite some time. So tell us kind of how you started out for those who aren't familiar with you already. How did you start out in this lifestyle? So uh, Chris used to actually have a high-tech job out in Silicon Valley, in, uh, and in 2006, he decided he was done with living in one place. <laughs> Long commutes and all that other stuff. So uh, when uh, the job market there kind of presented him an opportunity, he decided to take a severance package and uh, bought a travel trailer and hit the road full-time. And then I met him online uh a couple months yeah. later, and uh, I was working remote, or working remotely from home um, anyway, and doing software development. And we met online and fell in love. And I moved into his little travel trailer, and we started traveling together full time, working remotely. Yeah, so we did a small travel trailer, then we did a slightly larger travel trailer, then we did a vintage bus conversion that we totally teched out and geeked out. And but even from that very first time for our even from our very first date, we talked about wanting to do this on the water at some point in time. So um, I guess about three three and a half years ago, we started actively boat shopping, and uh, now I've been spending actually a big significant chunk of our time on our Bayliner forty seven eighty eight. Still no home base, always uh, you know. Yeah, just dividing our, our yep. time between these different modes of travel. Mm-hmm. And we intended to do the loop in two or three years while working <laughs> remotely. And as we got like up north where there's this winter thing, uh, we would winterize the boat and return to our RV. So we still kept our RVs for, for that purpose. Uh, but we just really got on the loop and just fell in love with the cruising lifestyle in general and just how many amazing towns there are along the way and how many greatly positioned marinas there are and how much more affordable monthly stays are than nightly. Uh, so we've just really adopted a slooping lifestyle, a slow looping lifestyle, and it might take us a decade. Well, yeah. with the pandemic now, it might have <laughs> a few years. <laughs> but yeah, we, we'd like to go to a really cool place like we last saw you in Charleston and mm-hmm. stay in downtown Charleston for multiple months and just how amazing is it to live someplace magic like that and like you know here we are for the pandemic in Sanford it's an incredible town and we're, we're actually loving being downtown here and we've had so many other little experiences like that on the loop and we just so happy to be able to spend long periods of time in all these great loop cities that I can't even imagine trying to do them in just one or two days like a lot of people do. Yeah and I think a lot of what people don't realize till they're actually on the loop is that so many of the small cities and towns across the U.S. were founded from the water outward so there's marinas mm-hmm. in the historic parts of downtowns all along the way and walking distance from the things to see and do, like in Charleston or like in Sanford. So um, it's mm-hmm. really very much an adventure. But So you both came from technical backgrounds, which probably made it easier, especially several years ago when the internet and uh, mobile wireless wasn't quite what it is today. Um, but thankfully, 
the rest of us can kind of learn from your experiences, and you, you've turned that into uh, your primary gig, so to speak, of helping others kind of navigate staying connected. So that's uh, certainly important as more and people, more and more people look towards, okay, I've successfully worked from home. How do I transition that to a moving home instead of my land-based home? So one of the things I loved that I saw on your site is um, people asking the question, what is the best way to keep connected while traveling? To me, that's a lot like people asking me, what's the best boat for the loop? Uh, because there isn't one. And your answer is, you know, whatever works best at the current location. So let's jump into that a little bit. Um, because there is no one-size-fits-all answer, talk to me a little bit about what people should consider regarding their needs to help them find the best solution for them to stay connected. Right. So one of the very first questions we have people ask is, what is your travel style going to be? Where are you going to be going? And if you're listening to this podcast, then the Great Loop is probably the destination. And that means you're going to be staying uh, within sight of land, and you're going to be mostly traveling in North, in North America, mostly the U.S., so you can stick with U.S.-based options. Um, but the next question that you have to ask yourself is, what is it that you need to do online? Are you just checking email and routing and making marina reservations? Or are you working remotely and need a lot of bandwidth? Are you or, doing video calls? Are your kids going to video school where they need to, to be in front of the teacher from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. every day? You know, there's so many different needs. and the, the, the needs for whether you need download bandwidth, like you're just trying to watch Netflix, versus upload bandwidth if you're trying to broadcast your video to attend class or meetings is very different um, different needs or right. different gear needed. And then you have to also consider, do you have like a schedule that you have to keep? Um, like, do you need to be online nine to five every day and check in at certain times with your colleagues or with a uh, homeschooling curriculum? Or do you have more of a flexible schedule where as long as you get your work done, maybe you create content or something like that and you have it delivered at the next time you have connectivity. Those are two very different setups reliable and consistent versus, hey, I just need a lot of bandwidth every so often. So those are two major considerations in the type of setup that you need to consider. Okay. And you also talk about, you know, there's four major op options for mobile connectivity. And a lot of people could, well, one of them is really not mobile, <laughs> but a lot of people can probably <laughs> identify these on their own. But you talk about cable, public Wi-Fi, cellular, and satellite. So if you can, right. you know, just kind of in a nutshell, run us through the pros and cons of those different options and who they might work best <laughs> well, or even worst well, for. Well, well, cable and stuff like that uh, for, for boaters only works if you're someplace that it, you're there for long enough time that it makes sense to run it to your boat. So if you've got a seasonal marina or something like that, some people are very successful in hooking up to that local infrastructure, wired infrastructure, just as if they had a fixed house. But for most voters, that's usually not an option. For so, cruisers. For yeah, those for of cruisers. us actively yeah. in pursuit of the loop, probably not something you're going to encounter very often. So you've got a very long wire. You just coil it out <laughs> behind you. You know, they get, <laughs> they get uh, uh, coiled up like a propeller. Cut the prop, so yes. <laughs> it's really not a good idea to try to take cable with you on the loop. <laughs> uh, so the next one is uh, marina Wi-Fi. Most of the commercial marinas are advertising free Wi-Fi, and some have done it really well. Uh, we particularly find marinas that have invested in on-spot Wi-Fi tend to have a they have distributed access points all along the dock. They usually have enough backhaul or internet capacity coming into the marina, and you can get online. You can check your email. You can surf the web. You might even you might even be able to stream and maybe 
standard definition but, video. But, but a lot of the places that have free Wi-Fi, it's um, it's it's not even worth the free. It's the 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 Marina Wi-Fi in a lot of places does not have a lot of coverage, so you can really only get signal if you go up to the clubhouse or the Marina office. And even if you're there, sometimes it's awful. Just it's awful even up there. So no amount of long-range Wi-Fi gear is going to help to try and bring that bad speeds back to your boat. For someone who is cruising the loop and just needs to check in uh, when they get into dock in the evening and maybe check their email, that's going to be a great solution. But for someone who's anchoring out a lot, well, you're probably not going to have access to Wi-Fi hotspots very often anyway. Um, or if you're working remotely, you need that reliable connection, then it's best not to plan around Marina Wi-Fi being your primary option. So that moves us into cellular. And uh, that is the way that most of us stay connected, especially in RVs and boats that are coastal cruising. Um, cellular towers, there's going to be on the three major carriers in the U.S., which are Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile, who just merged with Sprint. So there's still Sprint plans out there as well. And uh, for someone who needs reliable connection, they always ask, well, which carrier, which one of the three should I get? Um, Verizon usually has the best coverage, but most of the loop is on the eastern part of the U.S., and any of those three carriers are going to keep you pretty well yeah. connected, but it gets down to the individual location that you're at. In any given location, one or more of those might be better or might not have coverage in those areas, so, so redundancy. The, yeah, so if, if connectivity is important to you, it's just like you, know, you want to have a backup plan, particularly if you really need to get online set hours and stuff. You can't always count on just Verizon or just AT&T because sometimes yeah, even the towers just go down for maintenance or something like that. And having it's just it's like jumping out of an airplane. You want to have a reserve parachute to switch to before you go splat into the ground. Um, having being able to jump from Verizon to AT&T to T-Mobile, sometimes it is worth it to carry three different carriers worth of plans just to give yourself more options as you travel. And then satellite. Um <laughs> People equate that with internet from space and getting internet everywhere you are. The current options that are out there for marine use are extremely pricey and probably out of the budget for most of us mere humans. Yeah. But if you have mega yacht budget, there, you are, might, options. there are options out there for uh, marine solutions. Because the biggest problem with satellite on a boat use is the boat is in motion all the time, even if you think you're still. Uh, but to a precisely aimed uh, something that's aiming 26,000 miles in the sky to a something you, the size of a refrigerator. Um, you need that very precise aiming, just a little bit of motion makes a difference. So to get that sort of aiming, it gets into very expensive. Equipment. Right. And so there's next generation satellite stuff that is coming in the next few years that has potential to revolutionize satellite and be great in all sorts of ways like SpaceX and Starlink and stuff. But that's still going to take a, a bit of time before there's affordable marine solutions. Um, the other thing that does exist for satellite that is affordable, though, is things like the Garmin inReach and stuff that are satellite messengers that if your goal is just to get a weather forecast and just to send basic text messages, that's actually pretty simple, easy, and affordable and gives you a lot of peace of mind, even on the loop, where if you're someplace broken down and you have no cell coverage, at least you can get a text message off and send your GPS coordinates. Okay, now we've really just kind of scratched the surface of those four, and <laughs> we could probably do an entire podcast or multiple podcasts on each of the four. Um, but I do want to take a break to play a message from one of our sponsors, and I do want to move on because a hot topic lately has really been, you know, who's got the best data plans, which I know is kind of like, what's the best way to stay <laughs> connected? 
um, because everybody's idea of best is different. But, you know, I want to talk a little bit about the current plans available and what unlimited actually means for those. So because, as I said, we've only scratched the surface on those four, you've got lots of information and some free guides on your website that cover a lot more in-depth about this. So tell us where people can find those. So uh, Technomania is our personal travel blog, um, but our business, because we were answering this question so long back in 2013, we launched the Mobile Internet Resource Center, which you can find at mobileinternetinfo.com. And uh, we have over 1,500 unique pages, a lot of it free content, no advertising, no sponsorship, uh, because we are all member funded. So that's what uh, allows us to create a bunch of free content that's out there. Yes. Yeah, we have deeper content for the members, but we invite people just, you know, for a lot of people, the free stuff is all you need. And if you want to go deeper, you want to get the deeper reviews, you want to ask questions in our forums and get a little interactive, that's when we ask you, please join us, become a member, and help support the work we do. So with that in mind, we're going to take a quick break and play a message from one of our sponsors. And when we come back, we are going to shift gears a little bit and talk a little bit about the plans that are currently available. So we'll be back in a moment. Curtis Stokes & Associates is a yacht brokerage company that specializes in Great Loop capable boats. Curtis Stokes is a supporter of AGLCA at the Admiral level. If you're looking to buy or sell a Great Loop veteran from a trusted and knowledgeable broker, visit the company on the web at curtisstokes.net, email curtisstokes at curtisstokes.net, or call 954-684-0218. We're back on Great Loop Radio. My guests today are Sherry Viard and Chris Dunphy, and they are known as Technomadia on their travel blog, and then they are also experts on internet connectivity for a mobile lifestyle. So they've got lots of information to share about that. And one of the hot topics that comes up again and again on our Facebook group, on our forum, is what plan should a looper go with? So, it, you know, it goes beyond which carrier, um, and also, we've already kind of talked about the fact that everybody may need something different. Not everybody's usage patterns are going to be the same. But your site also does have comparisons of some of the current plans out there. So unlimited plans, of course, are very popular if you're working aboard or planning to stream. But not all unlimited is really created the same. So kind of walk us through what unlimited <laughs> means in a uh, cellular carrier's vocabulary. Right. That's the important thing is... The word that unlimited what you might think it should mean is not what the carriers think it should mean. Um, so the carriers have defined unlimited to really mean no overage charges. and But they have put all sorts of caps and limitations in their unlimited plans uh, so that you're not actually getting the type of unlimited data that you think you need. And they'll do that with, like, mobile hotspots. So that's what we use to get our laptops online, for instance. So you might, off of your smartphone, have a personal mobile hotspot feature. You have an unlimited data plan, but that unlimited data is only for things that you do on your smartphone. If you want to use that personal mobile hotspot feature, you might find that your plan has caps of anywhere between, the current ones are anywhere between 15 and 100 gigabytes of high-speed use per month. And it may or may not be enough to meet your needs. Right. In, in particular, the, one, of, one of the things people need to really understand about the plans is 
understanding where the data is, what the different types of data are and how they could best take advantage of it. So we try to steer people like, what are the things you can do on your phone or on your tablet where you might actually have unlimited data on the tablet, for example. So rather than try to get your laptop online, maybe you do your Zoom calls on your phone or on the tablet where the data doesn't count. It really is unlimited and save the hotspot data for things that you, you need to be, yeah, that you can only do on the laptop. So how can you divide up your work better? And and that's a great tip and something that you know I personally probably wouldn't have thought of because I'm just so used to doing my Zoom calls on my laptop. But if I was not sitting at a desk with a uh, line that's physically actually going to the wall, <laughs> um, <laughs> then doing it on my phone would would make total sense. And all of those types of apps really work very well on smartphones and tablets. So that that's a great tip. Right. Um, if you had right, to pick, tablets have cameras built in. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So if you had to pick right now. Um, you know, what current plan kind of wins for cost? It, and that would probably go hand in hand with somebody who doesn't need a tremendous amount of data. Um, but what unlimited plan for the cost seems to be a good buy these days? Um, so some of the ones that we recommend, so you really have to look at, do you want a hotspot off a of phone? Do you want a mobile hotspot device like a Jetpack or a MiFi? Or are you using a cellular embedded router like a PepWave, a MoFi, a CradlePoint? Um, so you have to find the data plan that fits the device that you're going to be using. And that's a whole different conversation. Um, but for some of the top pick plans, like for Verizon, their prepaid brand, Visible, is a smartphone plan that is $25 per month. And it gives you unlimited on-device data on your smartphone. But most importantly, it gives you unlimited mobile hotspot use. And when I say unlimited, I really mean unlimited, except for one thing. I told you, there's always a catch. They limit the speed of your mobile hotspot use to five megabits per second, which is actually quite usable. Fast enough for most video streaming. That's a great plan for Verizon use. And it's, it's down as low as $25 a month if you you know join a party and do their, their basically their your payment plan stuff. So it's a really cheap plan too. Um, for AT&T, we're currently uh, directing people towards their prepaid brand, which is called Cricket Wireless. And they have a mobile hotspot plan. That's what's one for like their version of a Jetpack. Uh, so it's only, it's not for a smartphone, but they have a plan that is 100 gigabytes of mobile hotspot use for $90 per month. Unfortunately, there's not a great unlimited plans for AT&T. And uh, T-Mobile, their current best option right now is their Global Plus 15 plan, which they intend mostly for global international travel to give you 15 gigabytes of high-speed usage anywhere around the world. But the unique feature of that plan is you do get unlimited high-speed personal mobile hotspot use off of a smartphone on that plan. And it's unfortunately, I think, $120 per month. So it's a pricier option. But yeah, these plans, they change all the time. That's why one of our... We, we track the plan, the plan changes. We keep a, a guide to the current top picks, our plan picks, because the carriers, like just yesterday, Verizon announced you know, new revisions to their, they rolled out a new 5G network and stuff. So these plans are constantly in flux. Mm -hmm. So one of the things you mentioned, like, for example, AT&T's prepaid brand is Cricket. So at least here right. in the Charleston area, you know, there are specific stores you can go to for Cricket versus AT&T. But is it the same quality of service if you go with the prepaid cricket versus the postpaid AT&T? So prepaid brands, they tend to be deprioritized behind direct postpaid customers with the carrier. So you are getting kind of 
discount data, if you call it that way. Um, what that means is that if you are in a congested market, so a very heavy market, you may experience slower speeds as compared to someone with a direct postpaid plan. But overall, you'll get in, when it's not congested, you'll get the same co- you'll get the same coverage regardless, and you'll get the same performance when it's not congested. Usually, with a lot of these these secondary plans. So, so uh, in specific to cricket, we did uh, here in Stanford, which is a pretty populated area. We ran head to head a cricket plan versus a postpaid AT and T plan, and we got pretty comparable speeds between the two in the middle of the day, which is typically a peak performance time. So. In some locations, yes, you will see a difference, but in a lot of locations, you probably won't notice it. So, and another question moving a little bit away from the cellular plans now, though, but um, we experienced when we ramped up our webinar series when the spring rendezvous was first canceled because of the pandemic, we did a lot of practice sessions you know, during the day with our speakers who often were people who live aboard at a marina and the connection was fine, everything would be fine, and then we'd get on live that evening and we'd have consistent internet issues. Is that a pattern that, mm-hmm. and, and this is on Marina Wi-Fi for the, for the most part, is that a pattern yeah, so, that you so see at Wi-Fi Marina? Wi-Fi is when, when people are at home in the evening and that's mm-hmm. when they all kick on their streaming and want to watch stuff, that is a very common pattern. Is it, People get work done during the day or in the middle of the night, but the evenings um, become prime time and that's when it's best to just turn off the connection mm-hmm. if you're trying to Wi-Fi. Right, that's when it you know, especially at night, uh, trying to do high bandwidth things like video broadcasting, um, is when it gets very difficult. And that's where you need to have those multiple options to try in different locations. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just did a, a webinar last night with a, and our host did the same thing. They had tested it during the day at their location using their campgrounds Wi-Fi. Um, in the middle of our broadcast, their campground Wi-Fi is just slowed down, down to a halt, and they had to switch to their black their backup AT and T plan. And what one actually catch that a lot of people don't realize is that microwave ovens broadcast and interfere with most Wi Fi signals. So in prime cooking time, everybody around turning on their microwaves is basically broadcasting signal, uh, broadcasting noise on top of all the Wi Fi signals, and can basically act as a jammer. So that's something else that really makes that evening prime time a uh, 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 bad area for Wi-Fi. <laughs> I would say so, yeah. We've had that problem at, at my home when we put in a Wi-Fi extender <laughs> near the microwave and kept wondering why this TV yep. streaming would stop every time we started the microwave. And we put it together sooner and soon enough, figured out what the issue yep. was. Um, so right. And the, the trick there is that if your uh, Wi-Fi router uh, supports 5 gigahertz instead of 2.4, if you put the Wi-Fi router on 5 gigahertz, then you can still pop your popcorn because that's transmitting at 2.4 gigahertz. Ah, good to know. That's another tip. I was not aware of that. (laughs) have to fill the kids in when I get home. (laughs) Um, So as active cruisers, as loopers, um, let's take, um, I'm I'm just going to make up a looper uh, that perhaps you could suggest a plan for. So if you're planning on jumping into this lifestyle, um, let's say that you're a couple who plans to work aboard, with pretty traditional work hours, uh, high bandwidth during the day, primarily when there are high bandwidth needs, what would you say is the best solution that they need, if that's something that you can even determine without a whole lot more information? This sort of a scenario, they're going to want to have multiple options to get online with. So they're probably going to want to have high cap plans with at least two carriers. You're going to want to really think through the gear that you're using. Make sure you have modern modems inside of whether you're using hotspots or routers. You're probably not going to want to depend on hotspotting off a smartphone. It's just not 
um, overly reliable for long-term use. And uh, you're going to also want to think through a signal enhancing strategy. Make sure you have antennas and maybe even a booster on board to help you get the best cellular signal that you can wherever you're at. And all of that gear is something that is also discussed on your website. So there's some guides available for that as well, because that's where it can start to seem, I think, overwhelming to some of us who are not inherently very technical. Um, So there's lots of options. But I, I guess the bottom line, would you say that for someone who has a traditional job but can work outside the office uh, but has to have connectivity when they need it, is it possible to live this looping lifestyle? It's absolutely possible. And it's, it just requires a little bit more thinking ahead, sometimes um, doing planning ahead with your travels, just like you research your navigation and research your next marina, you might, in addition to making sure the, 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 depths tides, are, are right. the tides are right and the depths <laughs> are good enough, you might have to do homework to make sure that the connectivity situation where you're going is good enough. You know, call ahead or check the reviews and make sure that your cellular carriers have good coverage and good speeds reported where you're going. And if not, well, you plan around that. Maybe you go to that place on a weekend and go someplace during the weekday when you need to work where you have more trust that the connection will be good. And you might want to not try to combine big travel days with work days. Uh, That can be extra stressful. If you've got big work deliverables, if you've got a video conference call you need to be on or something like that, it's best to do that in in a situation where you kind of have some confidence in what the local connectivity situation is instead of trying to figure it out on the fly when you might be, you know, trying to do it from your (laughs) fibridge all underway. (laughs) And you're, you know, as you move away from a, uh, one power and go right. to another, and you have that drop in connection right in the middle of a very important sort of um, deliverable in your work life. So we try to not combine work days with travel days. But, but if you do put enough, just a little effort into to purchasing the right gear and knowing how to use it and when to use it and when it makes sense to switch plans and when it makes sense to do things and doing a little homework around your travels and stuff, it actually isn't really that hard. The, the the amount of cell coverage around the Great Loop, you talk to people, and then there's hardly ever places that people are unable to get connected nowadays. It's, it is coverage and speeds have gotten pretty amazing. It's just you, you just got to be ready for the, the corner cases. Yeah, and I think one of the, the greatest pieces of advice that came out of this conversation is we'll put it right up there with pick your weather window travel days. If you're trying to work aboard and you have some important deliverables, pick your travel days around that as well because there really are plenty of days mm-hmm. you can stay put on the Great Loop. And if you have something very important that requires connectivity, that's a, a great day to stay in port and take advantage like Chris and Sherry have of some of the extended stay rates because sometimes uh, staying for a week is almost the same cost as staying for just a couple nights. So definitely something to check out. Um, Chris and Sherry, thank you for helping us work our way through this. And I think this will inspire a lot of people that this is a possibility for them while they are still working. So, um, but again, we were only able to scratch the surface. So tell us once again, your website where there are the free guides and other information we can get. You can get started at mobileinternetinfo.com, and uh, we have a collection of resources specifically aimed around working while mobile, as well as a getting started guide that takes you through assessing your needs, approaching your setup, learning more about all of the components that have to get come together with cellular gear, plans, and signal enhancing. And uh, we have a ton of content there. We do also have a YouTube channel for the Mobile Internet Resource Center uh, where we are constantly putting out news and tips and guides there as well in a video format.
Yeah, and this is um, you know a constantly changing target. Uh, so lots of current information and up to date as it changes. So definitely check out that site. Um, Chris and Sheree, thank you for joining us and sharing all of this information. We appreciate it and uh, stay safe there in Sanford. And when you're headed back up through Charleston, let me know. Yeah, we'll be back there again, because then we have to go north again someday. Yeah, eventually. (laughs) (laughs) All right, thank you both, and thanks to our listeners. We'll be back next week with another episode of Great Loop Radio. Until then, safe cruising. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.